Hi, I'm Jason Soto. And I'm Lisa Leahy. And we're the host of Between the Scares, a podcast that takes a look at every movie that Blumhouse Productions has made. You may not recognize the name, but they have made some of your favorite horror movies like Paranormal Activity, Ouija, and Insidious. Yeah, Jason, but they've also made stupid movies like The Fever and Best Night Ever and Hysterical Blindness. Yeah, those two. But they also did Whiplash, Get Out, and Us. And we're going to cover it all. Hey, did you know that Jason Blum also produced that Gem and the Holograms live-action movie? He did that? Uh-huh. Ugh. Fine. But then you have to watch The Green Inferno. Uh... So listen to Between the Scares on Anchor, Apple, Google, Amazon, or our home location at rabbitholepodcast.com. In at the end of time, time for a pint, all welcome fine. All time travelers are friends of mine, everybody in at the end of the line. The in at the end of time, time for a pint, all welcome fine. All time travelers are friends of mine, everybody in at the end of the line. It's a pleasure. Come on, come on you stupid machine. Why are you acting up? You've only been used twice. Oh, shit. Hey, what's going on out there? I'm trying to use the bucket. I think we're slowing down. It's about time. <laughs> nice pun, Job. What? Oh, huh. that was unintentional. Oh, too bad. I actually liked it. Oh, well. Oh, thank God. I think we're finally arriving at our destination. Ah, oh, great. Where are we? We are... Hmm. That can't be right. What's wrong? Well, according to the readout and the screen, we are in two destinations. Like at the same time? Precisely. I didn't even know we could do that. I didn't either. And I'm still not sure how we're doing it. But it appears we are both simultaneously in 1960 and 2002 to witness and discuss both films, The Time Machine. Both films based on a novella written by H.G. Wells, the 1960 film directed by George Powell and stars Rod Taylor, who you may know as the hunky guy from The Birds. The 2002 film was directed by Simon Wells and stars Guy Pearce, who you may know as the hunky guy from Memento? He was hunky in Memento? Shut up. Anyway, I guess we're going to take a look at both films, discuss their many differences, and possibly which movie is better. Let's go! Okay, so, um, The Time Machine, um, this was based on a, as I said, a novella, uh, written by H.G. Wells. Um, I gotta ask you first, have you read the novella? I have not read it. Okay, I did. Um, my mom showed me the 1960 movie when I was a kid, and I was just obsessed. <clears throat> And so my library had a collection of my library at school. Sorry, at uh, had a collection of uh, 
H.G. Wells stories in, mm-hmm. in there was the time machine. So, of course, I read it. Uh, and it is kind of fascinating, um, the differences. It's, it's, it follows mostly the same of the 1960 film up until we get to the World Wars, obviously. Uh, yeah. And then... Because it was written before that. It was written like 1898 or something. I'm trying to find the date. Yeah. But it was like 95 or 1895 or something. And um, and then after that, then it kind of deviates a bit. Like there's some... The, 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 the Morlocks and the Eloy are still in the story, but it's a little bit different. Um, but otherwise, the beginning is exactly the same. Um, mm-hmm. The 1960 film, we'll start with that. <laughs> Uh, we have our main character whose name is George, and I'm going to get to that in a moment because I want to ask a question. But uh, <laughs> George, he he is a uh, inventor of sorts. It's like it's 1899, New Year's Eve, when we begin, and um, he is inviting his friends. They're all like distinguished doctors and professors and experts on all these things, and they're friends of his, but they're really pompous, if you will. Um, the, the, the typical, like, Papa Monocle, like, comes to mind when I, when I see these people on the screen. Like, they're like, my word! Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he's telling them he invented this machine that can move in time, that breaks the fourth dimension. Uh, because they talk about the three dimensions, you can, you know, move forward, backwards, up and down, and all that. It was actually a really good explanation of the dimensions. I thought so, too, wasn't it? Like, that was really, yeah. like, a good breakdown. Yeah, because he was, like, talk. it was a very simplistic explanation, but it made perfect sense. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's actually really smart. Yeah, it was It was really done. It was actually done really well. And so um, he, uh, George says he discovered a way to, to move in the fourth dimension, which is time, but he cannot move through space, which is important. And so he presents this little model of a, of a machine, and he puts one of the guy's cigars in it and sends it on its way, and it just disappears in front of their eyes. And he's like, it's traveling in time. And it's just going and going and going and going. Um, so they don't believe him. You know, They think he just did a trick or something. And, uh, except for one guy named Philby who sort of believes him. And he, he's like he's like on the fence. It's, it's like he wants to believe that you know George did this, but he's also worried that George is gonna go muck around in time, and it's gonna end up breaking him, breaking their universe. Like yeah. like he's like the first guy who's worried about paradoxes in a way. And <laughs> I'm assuming Philby is also in the novella because he was in both versions. He he is. Um, so in the story. The story is presented has a as the point of view from Philby. Uh, we get oh. it's from it's Philby. He sh- it starts off with him rem- um, uh, the beginning of the movie when they show up and he's like, oh, they're all uh, George is late. He invited us. It's eight o'clock. He's not here. And then they go to have dinner and then George bursts through the door, all you know, ragged and bleeding yeah. and whatever. Um, that's all from the book and it's from Philby's point of view and he says, you know. Uh, and I want to state, and in the book, it just says my friend. They don't ever give him a name. Uh, they call mm. they, uh, he's known as the traveler, but uh, he doesn't really give. He's not given a name, and so um, he, the traveler and the story burst in, and then the rest of the story up until the end is like a I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a secondhand account 
where it, where Philby's just relating the story that that the traveler oh, okay. is telling, um, because like the whole rest of the novel is done like in a quotation, <laughs> and uh, and it's just the, the traveler telling the story about going to the future, going to eight hundred two seven hundred one, the year you know. Eight, and eight, so it's eight. like Philby reacting to his story a little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's mostly just like the, the dialogue, just the story, yeah. And then, um, and so because the um, story, the main character, the guy who traveled, did not have a name, they gave him the name George. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but on the time machine, I noticed it, it said yeah. manufactured by H.G. Wells, which, which means... H. George Wells. Which means this is H.G. Wells. <laughs> yeah. No, I caught that. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. That fucking blew my mind when I realized that because I didn't catch it when I was a kid. I'm just a fucking kid watching a movie. I don't notice shit. And I'm I'm like I then later in life when I because I'm just gonna spoil it. This is one of my favorite movies. I love this movie. It's one of my favorite time travel movies, and um, I watched it so many times. I I like I didn't even really watch it when I watched it for this podcast. I I had it in the background as I was working on other things, and I'm just like going through the scenes in my head and i'm going through the dialogue i I got this movie almost memorized i just wanted to kind of give it like one more through just to catch up on stuff Mm. but i love this movie but um uh but i didn't catch that until like later in my life that i realized this is supposed to be hg well like george is hg well that's that's fascinating because there's also another movie that we're gonna do later like a bit later where hg wells is a time traveler as well, and we're, we'll, that's going to be later. Um, so that's just so interesting that they do that. Um, but that's the uh, t- uh, 1960s version. Is uh, we focus on George and he's traveling, and like again, the deviation from the story is he goes through both world wars. He ends up in World War One, uh, where he meets Philby's kid, who's now an adult, who's in the war, and then he travels again. He travels through World War Two, where he just sees the blimps and the planes and stuff flying over London, because this movie takes place in London, and um, then he goes past it and he ends up in the, in the late '60s. Now the movie was made in 1960, so everything from this point on is completely like we're making this yeah. shit up. And so they, he ends up in 1966, and there's all these air raid whistles going off, and. Then he comes across the, the the son Philby, but now he's an old man himself, and they're they're like panicking and rushing to like a uh, underground bunker. And I just think it's hilarious that like this is what they thought the world was going to be in like six years. Yeah, <laughs> just you know, they were all wearing six years. like silver foil uh. suits. <laughs> And it was, like, mildly futuristic. Yeah. And I'm just like, really? But the other movie does similar. Correct. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, it turns out this is World War Three, and all these <laughs> bombs are going off, and this basically annihilates all of society. So, when George is traveling in his machine, and I didn't explain the machine, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, when he's traveling in his machine... He's just encased in, like, stone for, like, eons. Like, centuries are just going by. And he's going far, far, far into the future until it eventually breaks open and he sees basically, like, lush greenery and 
trees and fields and it's a beautiful sunny day and all this stuff so he stops uh again in the year 802701 i think is what it was and uh yeah 802701 and um was this was this the one where he's encased in lava or mm, is that the other one the yes he was encased in the lava in the 60s version yeah because i was like yeah because of all the volcanoes in london <laughs> well <laughs> okay yes i caught that this time i didn't think about it you're right there's no there's no volcanoes in london but there's there's still like bombs going off everywhere so i don't know i don't know <laughs> plus i i just recently watched the movie volcano where a volcano popped up in the middle of la so you know that, that could happen. <laughs> I also like that the exact same mannequin stays in the exact same yes. spot for, like, hundreds of years. It does, yeah. That mannequin never changes. They never change the mannequin. They never The store never even gets, like, a complete overhaul until they get to the 60s. Then it's like a, yeah. like a Bloomingdale's. But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's, it's the same. Um. And then the rest of the movie is him in the f- way far future. He meets these people called the, the Eloy, who are, like, in, in the 60s version, I'm stressing this, they're yes. these beautiful, blonde people, white people, but, like, the guys have the most atrocious haircuts I've ever seen in a movie. Like, they're, like, it's almost like Will's haircut from Stranger Things with the bowl cut. Yeah. But, like, the women have, like, normal... It's like 1950s salon hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, the women have the normal hair, and the guys have these really butt-ugly, like, cuts, and I didn't know what the fuck that was about. <laughs> like, why? I, like, why? <laughs> I I really... Because the hair on both of them were very noticeable to me. And I'm just wondering, where are they going and getting their hair done? Like... You well, know, they they live in ruins. Yeah, so I'm just like they walked through a door, and when they came back out, they had they went from like wet hair to like magazine hair. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, apparently whoever's doing their hair, they don't give a shit about the guy's hairstyle. They only care about the women. So yeah, um, and they're all dumb as rocks. They are. The very much so, and they don't like care about anything. They don't care about life. No. They, you know, uh, the the woman that we focus on, named Weena, she's drowning in the river, and George jumps in to save her, and everyone else is just like chilling by these rocks and just watching her drown. And you know, George learns that they don't know anything. They don't care about anything. They're just there. They just hang around by the river all day. Then they go into this broke down dome building that to eat like fruit uh and then uh then george learns about the morlocks which are the other group of people that live in this society they live underground and they uh they're these <laughs> little guys who are who who are bodies are green by the way if you ever watch this in high this movie was not made for high definition but if you watch this in high definition the paint is very clear on these guys. <laughs> well, during like the blitz and the war scenes and all the destruction, you can one hundred percent tell they're using miniatures. It's oh, just like yeah. toys, yeah, it, on it the is. road, yeah, and, yeah. So yeah, this is not this was not meant for high definition, but 
Um, so it's these guys, these Morlocks. They live underground. They're cannibals, and uh, they they control the Eloy um, by you know the by actually by the air raid whistles, which I thought was kind of kind of clever actually, mm-hmm. uh, because they even reference like once the whistles are done, they're in an all clear. Um, because they, they've heard, they got these talking rings that tell them kind of history. And one of the things that they kind of misunderstood was there's these whistles that go up and that means there's danger. And then when the whistles are done, it's all clear. But George is like, no, that was years ago when there was war and flying machines and all this stuff. And that doesn't happen anymore. I (laughs) actually really liked this part too, Mm -hmm. because, uh, I, I turned to my wife because we were watching it together and uh, I was like can you just imagine like in the far distant future what you have of reference and context of historical uh, phrases or events or or imagery or whatever and you vastly misinterpret that um, and it completely alters how society is based on the misinterpretation of yeah. these content. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, how much do we do that today of things from like, you know, 2000 years? <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 that was definitely an interesting take on all of that, um, especially adding in what we find out about the Morlocks and who they are in connection to the Eloy. Right. So what it is, what happened was when the World War Three happened, uh, everyone went underground and they stayed underground for years. And so there was a lot of breeding and stuff. And so eventually things got split. Um, there was a group of people. This gets more explained in the, in the 2002 version, a little more better. Um, but in, in but we learned that the society got split. Some people decided to stay underground, and then some decided to go up on top. But the underground people still like rule everything, and so they managed to like control the people up on top, the Eloy. <clears throat> and so, um, and so that's why they're so dumb and you know don't Eloy know anything. Become cattle. They become cattle basically. They're just cattle for the Morlocks. And um, and so they resorted to can- cannibalism and eating the Eloy, um, and uh, and so that's what's kind of going on. But like it's 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 funny seeing like the, the human race evolving into these two different paths, but they're both like extreme ends of each other. Like one is like you know they rule with an iron fist and they give you know whatever, but they're eating the other half. <laughs> and and the other half is just dumb, complacent, you know, yeah. just don't care, just want to lounge around and, and wait to get eaten. I want to stress that in this in the 1960s version, the bits with the Morlocks, yeah, uh, not not the Eloy, but specifically the Morlocks, uh-huh. is only maybe ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's it, it's it's not a huge chunk. Which, in contrast to the 2002 version, uh, and you know, how much are they in the short story? Like, how are they compared to that? They're they're like the the main antagonist of the story. When when yeah. he gets to you know 802 701, um, 
he like immediately talks about the the Eloy, uh, and then he then then he immediately learns about the Morlocks who live underground, um, and then it becomes like a like a like a struggle like a battle because mm-hmm. you know because then uh, he also uh, also in the, in the book similarly to the movie uh, they take his machine, um, so he's trying to get down to where the Morlocks are to get back to his machine. And, um, and so this is in the story, this is where he learns about the cannibalism because he finds a way down. He goes through the, 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 the wells, um, and he gets down there and that's when he sees like basically Como, it's almost like the movie, but like the story does expand on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, the movie, like it was very brief and he was down there. Like he just climbs down there cause, uh, Weena ends up going down into the Morlocks yeah. lair and so he goes in to go get her and to get his machine. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's only like 10 minutes where he's down there. And then they all immediately, like, learn to fight instantly. And he learns that they're, they're weak, their weakness is fire. So he lights a torch. And well, really, the, <laughs> the Morlocks are, in this version, are very weak. It's oh, like, yeah. because they've trained the Eloy to be like cattle, there is no reason for them to learn how to fight nope. or anything like that. So they just brush through these Morlocks <laughs> like they're nothing. Like, and it was like, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and it's like, they barely hit their head on the rock and they die. And it was just, yeah, <laughs> it was just so they're funny. They're so like, yeah, all the Eloy have to do is just be like, I don't want to be eaten anymore. And the Morlocks would be fucked. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yep, and that's kind of basically what happened. Yeah, yeah, they, they, you know, they they sort of take George's um, lead and fight back, and then they set the whole underground on fire, um, which then explodes somehow. And then um, when George is getting the idea of being stuck there, uh, they discover one of the these like temples that you know that George landed you know in front of with his machine opened up, and he sees his machine. He immediately runs to it, uh, trying to you know get Weena to go with him, and so the but the doors close, and so here was my solution to this problem. If this happened to me, what I would do <laughs> is I would go back in time to before these things were built, like after the lava, but before the temples were built. Stop. Pull the machine back to the front and then go forward to after that moment grab Weena and then head back. I don't know why that didn't cross George's mind, but then I guess we wouldn't get the rest of the movie, but yeah. <laughs> now there there were a lot of things throughout the movie. I was like, why is this happening? Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. But but the uh I wanted to bring something up uh, earlier mm. and we just kind of moved past a little bit. There's a very big difference too uh, between the traveler character uh, and their motivation. So, oh, yeah. like, his motivation in this one is just exploration. It's yes. just curiosity. I was going to get to that, yeah. And, yeah, and he just wanted to go forward just because he could and wanted to know. Exactly. He wanted um, to know what humanity was going to be yeah. like in the future. He could have he could have easily gone back like once the war started, when he was trapped and like all of that. There was no reason he had to go as far forward as he did. Yeah. And uh 
but it was it that was an interesting motivation for a main character uh it should be noted that in the story after this whole thing with Weena happens and he did defeat the Morlocks or whatever, uh, in the story, he goes further. He goes further into the future. And uh, he ends up, like, a million years in the future and has seen that, like, all of humanity is just gone and everything has just been replaced. And when I tell you this, you're going to know why they kept this out of both versions. Uh, society has been replaced by these crab-like creatures... <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like roaming around eating all the vegetation um and uh and then uh eventually the earth just dies out because everything is just dead yeah uh, and then the sun explodes actually too um so yeah. he goes ba- then that's when that in the story that's when he goes back home to 1899 or whatever um, but they cut that out in the movie, both versions, and I can kind of see why. Because one, it's kind of a downer, and two, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah. The remake, do- he does go further. He into does. The future in the in remake, the, he does, but it's not the same. Yeah. No, no, no. But yeah. Um. Okay, so I'm gonna stop there with the '60s version. We'll we'll do a comparison in a minute here. Uh, let's get into the 2002 part now. Um which was directed by a guy named Simon Wells, who during my research I've discovered is the great-great-grandson of H.G. Wells, which I did not know that until literally yesterday. Um, (laughs) But um, I'm trying to see what else Simon Wells may have done, um, because I didn't recognize the name when I was starting my research. Um, Oh, he directed The Prince of Egypt. Interesting. Interesting. I know that's like a very popular animated film from the late nineties. Yeah, the that's the Moses. Yeah, yeah, movie. people really like that movie. Um, um, then he he really didn't direct a lot. He did he did a lot of art stuff. It looked like he's more known for being like uh, like an art art director than just a film director. Um, for what it's worth, he directed Mars Needs Moms. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I'd include that on a resume. Uh, he directed... Um, oh, he did American Tale. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, like Fievel? Yeah, an American title. Oh, sorry, the sequel. The sequel. American Tale. Oh, Fievel Goes West? Fievel Goes West. He directed that. Uh, he did We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. So, yeah, this is a very... Oh, uh, he, did all those, <laughs> he did all those 80s and 90s, like... Animated, yeah. cartoon, like, yeah. Yeah. Nope, he totally did. And then after Prince of Egypt, he does The Time Machine, 2002. And then he goes back uh, to do Mars Needs Mom. <laughs> so. Well, I guess that it kind of makes sense because you have um, We're, We're Back as a time travel movie. Oh, that's true. Um, with the dinosaurs. And then Mars Needs Moms, you're still in the sci-fi territory. So it's not – that's not a weird – threesome trajectory, I guess. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, so, the 2002 version stars Guy Pierce, uh, but his name is Alexander. Um, there's a lot of little odd differences in this one. So, our main character's name is Alexander. Uh, he is a professor, um, 
at like the like a university. I don't remember if they said or, they're in New York. They're in um, New York in this one. It's in yeah. New York, and it's it's like it's eighteen ninety eight or ninety nine. Um, and Alexander is uh, about to propose to uh, a woman named Emma, and uh, he's a very for, I don't say forgetful, but like very what's the word I'm looking for. Like, he's always, like, in a rush, and he's, like... Absent-minded. Absent-minded, yeah. Like, kind of like that. He's always, like, he's distracted by things, and he he tends to, like, you know, be in a rush always and stuff like that, so... He's the the absent-minded professor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Actually, yes. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, so, that's Alex, and he's played by Guy Pierce. um who was just coming off from like Memento and a couple other things in the early two thousands. Um, so this was kind of a interesting, it was a role. I would say him. it's an interesting choice for where he was in his career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, cause he was just kind of starting out. Cause you know, like Memento was like a, he was in other stuff, but like Memento was kind of what made him like a name, you know, like that was like where he got, you know, front and center. Um, and then he does this movie. I'm guessing that's the only reason why he was casted was, you know, it was like, A, he was willing, and B, he was kind of an up-and-coming actor. So, like, yeah, let's get Guy, Guy Pierce, I guess. Um, which threw me off because I, I know that the original story and the movie what took place in England. And then it was like he kind of had, like, a weird accent. I didn't know what he was going for until I realized I, yeah. until I realized the story takes place in New York and I'm like, is he trying to do a New York accent, but, like, in an <laughs> 1890s version of a New York accent? Like, it was such a weird choice, like, of, you know, accent to do. I don't know. Also, aesthetically, <clears throat> it was not clear that it was 1899 New York. Right. Uh, it could have easily been, like, 1920 New York. Like it, Yeah. You know, there was, like, the automobile thing going on mm-hmm. in the story, which mm-hmm. you'll get to. But, like, it, it wasn't – it took a while for me to figure out, okay, is this one still in 1899? Uh, no. Because, yeah, yeah it, it wasn't obvious. And it wasn't as obvious that it was, like, New York and not London, or it wouldn't <laughs> have been had they not. Yeah. Been. No, exactly, because – you know, if you're a fan of the original movie or even the story, those are both set in in London, England. And um and so the beginning of this movie gives you no indication that we're in New York. Um cuz they don't like say like landmarks. They don't say like we're going to Central Park or, you know, there's yeah. the em- or, you know, Though, there's To a, be fair, yeah. the original doesn't either. Um Except, except uh, the one reason I knew officially that we were in London was when the Blitz happened. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, I guess that's historically, fair. Historically, that's where we are. Yeah, all right, that's fair. Um, but he goes to he goes to meet up with Emma, like, in a park. Uh, and he's, he's also friends with a guy named Philby, who, <clears throat> who's trying to, like, you know, <clears throat> straighten him up and is like... You know, oh, you're going to propose, you know, do this and that, change your clothes, whatever. Um, So he goes to go meet up with Emma in the park. And after he proposes, they get mugged um, by this guy. And, you know, Alex is like, okay, here's my money. Here's our money, whatever. And then the mugger's like, I want the ring, too. And then this is where Alex is like, 
no, I just literally gave that to her to, you know, propose marriage. Like, no. I'm... So they have a fight. There's a gun. The mugger had a gun. And uh, Emma gets shot accidentally, and then she dies, like, almost instantly. So And then I was like, and that's how Batman was born. <laughs> Which was which was really funny. I didn't remember this, but later he's in a cave when a bunch of bats yes! fly up past him. I made that same joke too. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, I'm Batman! I'm Batman! I'm time traveling Batman!" Oh man, I want to see a time traveling Batman now. I'm sure there's a comic or something there that happened. Oh yeah. Um. So anyway. we jump to four years later, and he's just you know hiding in his lab, and people are worried about him. And he's obsessed. So, like you said, motivation for the character. In this one, his motivation at first is he wants to go back in time to stop Emma getting killed. And um, and so that's his motivation for this. And so he it's a time machine. And, um, you know, of course, everyone's all worried about him, whatever, whatever. But he's like, I'm fine. Once I take care of the problem, I'll be fine. So then he goes back, he goes back to the night Emma got shot, finds her, takes her away, and uh, she's like, you know, oh, you didn't get me flowers like you promised. So he goes to buy flowers. <laughs> okay, so earlier there was this, like, car. It was, it was a car, but it was, like, the first, it was, like, right when cars were starting to become a thing. Yeah. And Alexander, because he's such an inventor and he likes gadgets and stuff. Ah, I want to get to that sec- in a second. I, I just remembered something from this movie. Um, he's obsessed with gadgets and stuff, and so he <laughs> he he gets uh, you know distracted by the car. So later, when he went back to save Emma, and they're in front of the flower shop, this car, like you know, because it's new, combusts or something, spooking a horse. And then the horse, like, gets out of control, and the cart that it is uh, falls onto Emma, instantly killing her. And so then Alexander is like, (laughs) nothing I do, you know, to save her is going to work. And I said to myself, you only tried once. (laughs) Which makes this such, and I said this to you, this is why I think this is such a 2002 movie. Because if this was made today... The first 45 minutes of this movie would have been him going back constantly yeah, to try to save her. And <laughs> I, I had a thought at this moment, too, but I think I, I reacted to it differently uh, because I had the same thought. I was like, oh, he only did it one time. <laughs> but I think I think really that was to show – well, it was probably for a couple of reasons. One, to just speed the movie along, which I'll, well, I'll want to talk about the pacing later. Okay. Right? Um, but it's, I think to show how smart he is in regards to this subject matter Mm. that he, he would be like, all right, this happened again. The probability of it being, you know, an exponential, like everything that I do, nothing is going to work is very high. Okay. Uh, so I'm not going to waste my time trying to do this but try to figure out why i can't yes um because he he is the absent-minded professor thing so like he's grieving but at the same time he understands what he's doing mm-hmm. um and i thought it was kind of a, a 
breath of fresh air of him just trying one time because you're right today they would do it like it would be a montage of, of him going back a hundred times yeah exactly yeah. that's why i was like this is such a 2002 movie because they just wanted to get to the point and the movie this movie is only like an hour 36 yeah so it's not long. no and so he only you know fails the one time and so then he's like the future may have the answer on to why, you know, I can't fix this problem, why I can't go back and fix the problem. So that's when he goes forward into the future. Um, so the differences between the films uh, is, is, is when he travels to the future. And, you know, the, the, the montage that happens here really is him traveling, but, like, the camera just keeps panning out. And you see the time fo- going forward. So it starts off with, like, the construction of the buildings at the Empire State Building. And then it goes into, like, the airplanes. And then eventually you see satellites. And then you see a rocket ship. And then you see a space shuttle. And then eventually you see there's a colony on the moon. And now you're like, oh, we're way in the future now. And so we go back to him. And he ends up in, like, the year, like, 2036 or something. And... um I think it's just 2030. Okay. It's something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because uh, uh, that was my other moment of, uh, you know, in the first one, it was, this is what they thought six years later was. And here it's like, this is what they think 28 years later is. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, And so the, the 2030 in this is just like, it was funny is they almost kind of got it right because it was like everything yeah. is big screens and just constant ads playing on these big screens and uh and then but then like the the you know the people were wearing like weird athletic suits like you know like kind of like people nowadays when they wear to go to the gym they wear like those like tight fitting like you know, well, they're like uh, tracksuits. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and then there's this girl bumps into him, and she's kind of. I felt like she was flirting with him, but you know, he's so enamored with everything, he doesn't catch it. So she's just like, "Okay, see you later." Um, and she's got like a futuristic looking bike, and there's these like mm-hmm. futuristic looking cars, and and then the one of the ads that we see is that they're gonna make a underground. Um, uh, community in the on the moon. Um, they're they're currently digging into the moon to make this underground community thing. So that they they tell us that, and then he's like, "Wow, this is interesting." Oh, and then he goes to the the library. Um, and here he meets uh uh a the spinning in, rings in <laughs> the spinning rings version. In this is an AI type guy uh, named Vox, who's played by Orlando Jones. And, um, and he, he just like, is like the computer basically for the library and he can access all the books, all the data, all the information. And so Alex is like, oh, can you tell me about time travel? And he brings up, oh yeah, there was a book by H.G. Wells. It got turned into a movie and then it got turned into a musical, which cracked me up. <laughs> Cause in case anyone's wondering, there is not a musical based on the time machine. Uh, but it's not also outside the realm of possibility because everything's being fucking turned into a musical. Um, but he starts like singing a song from the musical, and that made me laugh. Um, 
But he starts, and he's like, no, 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 I need, like, why can't I go back in time and change things? Um, which actually... you can't go back in time. Because <laughs> you can't go back in time. No. Um, but uh, he just needs to listen to our podcast, and he can learn why he can't go back and change Because we've <laughs> already had two episodes about people trying to go back in time to prevent something, and it ends up, we learn why. <laughs> so, um, but... Um, so then, yeah, he, he learns, you know, he can't, so he needs to keep going forward in time. He goes to, like, eight years later when they dug too deep into the moon where they broke it. And then, yeah. and I think in one of the coolest shots is the moon falling to Earth. Uh-huh. That was a really cool scene. That was a cool shot. Because that would fucking freak me the fuck out if you see a lot, if you actually see the moon falling like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like exploding, and it's heading towards Earth, and they're all like, all everyone's panicking. They're running around like, ah, oh, we gotta go underground because the moon's crashing into the Earth and stuff. And um, and and this is this movie's version of you know the apocalypse, if you will. Like he, you know, he goes into his machine, you know, after you know the moon starts crashing into the Earth, and then he gets in, he gets knocked out. By the time he jumps into the machine, hits his head, and then he's like passed out as it's going through the centuries. Um, and then he wakes up, and it's the you know eight hundred two seven hundred one, and it's 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 more of a jungle in this one than it is just like a like a landscape. You know, it's it's just like jungles everywhere. And so here he stops, and the Eloy in this one, they're more like. Samoans? Tribal? Yeah, tribal Samoan type of people. They got the tattoos even and everything. Like I was like, that's interesting. Okay. That's that's kinda cool. And um, they live on the side of cliffs. They hang on the side of cliffs. Um the the Wiener in this um is uh played by uh Samantha Mumba. Uh and her character's name is Mara. Young Zoe Saldana. Yeah. <laughs> It should be noted that Samantha Mumba actually had a singing career in the 2000s. I do remember that, yeah. She had a couple of songs, um, but then she did dabble in acting. She was in um, Legally Blonde. Oh, I'm sorry, she did the soundtrack for Legally Blonde. I'm sorry. The IMDb is weird now. Um, she was not in anything notable. <laughs> so never mind that. <laughs> Unless you want to see the 2005 horror comedy movie Boy Eats Girl. Uh, <laughs> she was not in anything else notable. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, she was mainly a musician back in the 2000s. So she had a couple of songs. Um, but yeah, here she plays Mara. She's the movie's Weena. And she's got a little brother, a little kid. Because you got to put a kid in everything in the 2000s going on up. Yeah. Because that's how the problems happen is the kid. The kid's got to cause the problem. And so, um, okay, so... It's mostly the same, like, it's mostly the same from here on out, just with the 2002 polish. Yeah. Because it's more stylized, it's more, you A know. nice iron <laughs> polish. <laughs> that tripped me the fuck out. Um, yeah, it's mostly the same. There's still the Morlocks, there's still the Eloy. Morlocks live underground, Eloy live on top. Except the Eloy, I wouldn't say they're stupid or anything. They're just no. they're just like primitive, you know? They're they're more just like primitive. Like they're like they're the caveman or whatever. 
But I wouldn't say they're stupid because they build shit. Like they build huts and they build weapons and they build the things on the side of the cliffs. And they don't completely speak English. Uh, uh, Mara does speak English. Uh, there's this whole whole thing about how they learn old language and English is one of them. And so she's like the translator between, you know, Alex and the tribe. Uh, the little kid knows English a little bit. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it's mostly the same from here on out. It's, it's no, you know. <laughs> kind of uh, a minor jump forward, but still on the subject. Uh, the, there's the one like tough dude who doesn't speak any English and that, you know, like is just not liking them from the start. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and then when, uh, Samantha Mumba's character gets taken away, uh, by the, the Morlocks, suddenly he learns English. It's like, oh, we needed another character to be able to talk to you. So okay, uh, that's... this guy who couldn't communicate with you earlier in the movie now speaks perfect English. I did not even think about that or catch that somehow. Um, yeah, so uh, so he goes, he finds a way to sneak in, you know, to the Morlocks' you know, hideout. And here is we get a little deviation in that the Morlocks have a leader that the movie is called Uber Morlock. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, this is not in the story at all. This is completely made up for the fucking two, 2002 version. Yeah. Um, and oh, wait, he, one sec, one sec. Uh, before we get too far away from the, the English thing, I did want to note that the uh, it was how they learned English was a wall of signs yeah. from New York <laughs> buildings and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, you know, which, one, is just it was just a really cool visual. Yeah. Um, but, two... I don't know how you would learn an entire language um, based on a couple words. No, yeah, you, no, you're right because it was like the Brooklyn, you like Brooklyn be able Bridge. To string it together. Yeah, know? it was like Brooklyn Bridge, and you know, don't you know, sit on the grass and wash your hands, and you know, it was those kind of signs. Yeah, no, I, I completely forgot about that. Um, oh, and the the rings, like you mentioned, uh, was the the Vox from the library. Uh, yeah. He's like now buried in the underground, and he sort of tells Alex about the Morlocks and how things split and all that stuff. Um, and so, um, so the Uber Morlock is played by Jeremy Irons. Um, it was in prime Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> mode. Like, was he like going through some shit in the early two thousands? What the hell, Jeremy Irons? <laughs> yeah, he really need a paycheck. <laughs> Something was, he was, yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, something was going on in his career at this time. He owed some money or a favor or something. He just had to do these string of weird kind of bad movie. And I don't think this is a bad movie, but you, but you know what I mean. Like, he was this prestigious mm-hmm. actor. That's okay. The Watchmen TV show is coming up, Jeremy Irons. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> he was great in that. Um so uh yeah we meet the uber morlock who speaks english and he tells alex the reason he says well you can't go back in time and stop it because (laughs) you're going to create a paradox if you go and save emma you never invent the time machine and if you never invent the time machine you don't go back and save emma which is a great point (laughs) because 
De- I mean, that's a that's a very yeah. typical like that's the actual definition of a paradox just in itself. It's it's you know, um, you know, if 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 a if a doesn't happen, uh, if I'm sorry, if a happens, which leads to b, and then b goes back to a and then prevents a from happening, b never happens. But then b can't ever happen because a didn't happen, and then it's just this like, well, what the hell, kind of a loop thing. So. In a sense, Emma had to die so yeah. Alex can invent the time machine. And otherwise, if he didn't invent the time machine, he doesn't go back to save Emma. So that's that's a very good point from a character who's only on screen for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and it was his character is very weird because it's like he seemed to know a lot about everything that was happening. Uh, yeah, and it implies he has like mind power. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but he also says something along the lines of, you know, you exist because of her, and I exist because of you. Exactly. So it's like, does that? Im- but did that imply that he was like? A future version of Guy Pierce, like it was very confused. Like I well, didn't understand that. I took that to mean more like you know, Alex was his ancestor because they're they're still technically from humans. Like they're just yeah. a new form of humans, both the Morlocks and the Eloy, but they're still human. And Alex is a human, so therefore he's like his ancestor. It would be akin to like if. Like uh, a caveman from like you know 100 BC time traveled to now and met us, it's the same yeah. thing. Like you know we're meeting our ancestors. So I think that's just what he meant. Like that's just his ancestor. That's just the human from millions of years ago or whatever. Um, I think that's just all he meant. I don't think he meant it like you know oh okay. we're the same person. Um. Okay, so this one, like you said, he does go forward a bit in time after this point. He gets he tricks uh, Uber Morlock into the time machine. He sends it to the forward. They have a fight. Like, there's a fight scene on the time machine. Um, he ages very quickly. He ages. He pushes him out of the little thing I call the time bubble. Um, and then uh, he turns to a skeleton and dies. And then when Alex stops, he sees that the Morlocks reign supreme still, and has like enslaved all of all of the Eli Eloy, and is like, you know, completely taken over everything. That's a very grim future. So then he goes back to get uh, Mara, who's in a cage, and um, he, you know, they fight off the more the rest of the Morlocks and destroy the underground, and that includes his time machine. Um, I don't know if I can explain this. This doesn't really make a lot of sense, like explaining it. But he sets the machine to go forward, but he locks it, so it's only going forward by like seconds, I guess, like like every five seconds it's going forward or something. And then as the Morlocks are fighting and whatever, the machine explodes. And then, like, the time bubble expands <laughs> throughout the underground, which immediately ages and decomposes the Morlocks. And then this is what yeah, kills yeah, them Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like he turned the time travel function on, but didn't allow it to move throughout the machine itself. 
so the machine was locked in place and was like basically overheating until it exploded its time powers yeah and then that's how like the morlock got defeated and that's how and then alex is just stuck in the future where he he so in this version he never goes back he's just stuck in the future which he's okay with um because they do make a point like to stress throughout this version that he was never really happy with where he was and uh he just kind of wanted to be somewhere else oh i forgot to bring this up in the beginning, he's talking about his inventions, and they're real things that are, exist, and one of them is, like, the electric toothbrush. Huh. Um, and then there's a thing where they talk about he was meeting with Einstein, but, like, it was before Einstein was, like, famous, and they're like, oh, you shouldn't talk to this Einstein guy. He's he's trouble or whatever. And there's a couple huh. other things that, like, get thrown in the beginning that he... he he talked about inventing which made me wonder okay so now he's trapped in the future he can't go back home ever he's he's there so we do get a snippet of back in the past when you know in, in his home time and the 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 housekeeper mrs watchit who's in the who's in both versions mm-hmm. um and philby are like you know pondering oh where did alex go do you think he's okay and they're like well wherever he is i'm sure he's happy blah 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 and then it made me go, so his house, his laboratory, has all these things that he invented. And, you know, typically when people go missing or they're dead or whatever and they don't come back, there's an estate sale where they sell all their stuff. So are they trying to say that, like, whoever invented the electric toothbrush stole the idea <laughs> from this guy who went missing in the 1890s? <laughs> and, well, who, you know, <laughs> all this other stuff. <laughs> There, there is another bit of like just a minor plot hole I think here, too. With so you have uh, when he's talking to Orlando Bloom, uh, the first time when it's brought up with H.G. Wells, um, it also brings up a book written by him. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. It, but that book was never written because he never went back in time to write it. Right, which is making me think it was, like, just written there, and then they just published it when he went... So, like, he had already written it, and then it wasn't published till after? I'm assuming that's what they're trying to do. Like, they're saying, like, he had it either started or it was written, but he didn't get to the publishing part yet. Or, um, because this does happen. Uh, The greatest example I can give is... um, Bear with me on this. So, Pat Oswalt was married to a woman who was obsessed with this true crime case, the Golden State Killer, and she was writing a book about it. She, oh, I know this story. She yeah. died before the book got finished, and uh-huh. so Patton uh, took the book to her friends that she was, you know, collaborating on the book with, and they all finished the book uh, after, you know, after she died, and then published it. So, I'm thinking something similar could have happened here where he started it or even got pretty much almost done. And then when they were going through a shit, they found this book and they're like, well, we should publish this. Cause it's, you know, it's yeah. a smart, brilliant book and we'll either finish it or we'll just put a note like, and then he disappeared and didn't get to finish the book. So, but we wanted you to see it. You know what I mean? It does happen in real yeah. life. Yeah. You're right. You know, <clears throat> J- Tolkien stuff still gets published. Yeah. Um, 
like Brandon Sanderson finished the Wheel of Time books. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, Lo, I get that. Yeah. So that's probably just what that was. Um, but uh, okay. Uh, I know we deviated from our normal format. We had to talk about two movies. Uh, but let's talk into our discussion. This is more of a discussion than a theory. Because um, there's not like an actual theory about this. But I just wanted to know, do you think it is even possible to travel to the future? Like, can we go to something that isn't there yet? Because, like, traveling to the past makes sense because it happened. And if you can find a way to uplift yourself and go backwards that would make sense but can you uplift yourself and go to something that you're not even sure is gonna be there or i think it yeah i think it makes sense in the theory that because a lot of time travel stuff or even time theory uh it states that time happens like time exists all at once Mm mm-hmm and we are just in the moment we are in. Okay. So, okay. like, the past already exists. The future already exists. Oh, and okay. it just exists on one timeline. <clears throat> so, okay, that's yeah, you can travel to kind of any point on that line. See, I've always um, viewed, like, the future has, like, a... Ironically, actually, <laughs> as an unfinished book. Um has like it's still being written you know what i mean like right now we're on the page that is being written but like tomorrow's page hasn't been written yet so you know i always thought like that might be impossible to go to something that doesn't exist i think i'm taking it as more of like a physical aspect Mm -hmm. like like you know because we take humans take days for granted like we take our lives for granted we take for granted that earth is always going to be here and that when we wake up tomorrow earth will be here our home will be here we'll be here we take that for granted uh but in reality and i don't mean to be a downer but in reality we don't know any of that for a fact we don't know what's going to happen an hour from now like an hour from now the moon could fucking crash into the earth we don't know you know but we take it for granted that it's not and that it's always going to be here but I've always viewed the future as, like, it hasn't happened yet. Like, it's just this blank page that needs to be filled. And the more we go, you know, by second by second as we're going into the future, you know, it's being written. Um, I think this is similarly used, and we're not going to cover this movie. This is too much of a stretch for us. But The Langoliers. If you've seen the movie The Langoliers mm-hmm. from the 90s, they kind of touch on that a little bit. Um because it is technically kind of a time travel story um just done in a really strange way but basically the langoliers uh it's about these people on a plane and they fly through like a like a like a like a wormhole and then they end up in the past but it's it it's the past where like people are don't exist because the people has moved on but like copies of like like the buildings and earth and the sky and everything exists and the Langoliers are these creatures that eat all that because the people aren't there no more and so when they at the end of the story spoiler alert for the Langoliers um, (laughs) when they travel back through the wormhole to come back to the present they end up going too far into the future 
where now it's the buildings and the earth and the grass is there, but the people haven't caught up yet to that point in time. So they're like standing around waiting for the people to catch up to that. And I've always thought that was kind of a brilliant way to depict like the past and the future in yeah, that people move through time rather than time moving through people. Right. Yes. And I thought that was fascinating. I kind of I kind of dig that theory of that, you know, it hasn't happened yet. You know, like I know in an hour from now I'm going to be editing this podcast, but I haven't done it yet. Um so, you know, that's still being written or, you know, tomorrow I got to go to work, but I haven't done that yet. You know what I mean? So like my 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 discussion for this really leaned on can we do that can we find a way to it, to go it really there? gets it really gets down to age old uh like destiny versus free will okay. you know if okay. we if we have the free will to change the future then the future is not set and you cannot travel forward into something that is not set okay but if you uh, are destined if everything is kind of set in a motion and has a plan and like blah 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 and time is a linear path that has happened and will happen again then uh, yes you could travel forward I think through time okay. so it, it goes into almost an even more uh, universal concept uh, I guess. Oh, okay. Okay. Then, then just you know, time. Okay. I like that too. Yeah. Okay. And like you know, we don't know. You know, I don't think either of us has the right answer. This is more of just what we think. Um. Because you know, I've always thought like, okay, you could probably travel to the future, and you could see what could happen. And then, you know, because there's, there's, there's stuff, stories and movies and stuff where people go to the future, discover something, and then they come back to the present and try to change what happened. Um, you know, there's stuff like that that happens a lot. And, um, and so it always made me wonder, like, okay, can we change the future? If we, if, you know, let's say it's um, September 8th, 2001. And somehow we travel three days into the future and we see 9-11 happen. And then we're able to go back to the 8th. Can we stop 9-11 from happening? Or is it just destined to happen? Well, okay, so now we're getting into Marvel. Um, <laughs> I love that segue. <laughs> Jay, here's Jason so, with 9-11. Oh, Marvel, let's get into the Marvel discussion. <laughs> no, so we're... Now we're getting into multiverse I love, this, I love this show. I love this fucking show. <laughs> uh, when you get to multiverse theory, you basically, you have the idea that there are set points in time that are like, they're like anchor points. And these things have to happen because they are major points within the timeline. Okay. And you have the idea that there is... Well, in Marvel, anyway, there's the sacred timeline. So there's, like, the main timeline that will always happen and has always happened. Okay. Um, when somebody changes something that is not the expected path that was planned out, 
you get a branched timeline. Mm. Uh, so when how time travel works in the MCU is uh, when you travel in time, you're traveling through a branched timeline of some sort. Mm. Um, so you, you never really go forward in your own future. Um, but I think it could also exist the idea of um, you can go forward in your own future, but it doesn't make it permanent because you still have the option to make choices where it can deviate. Because there is the set planned future, but that set planned future can also change. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I don't want anyone to ever accuse us of just being stuck on one kind of thing. Well, I think we're a well-rounded time travel discussion. <laughs> so, because here I'm bringing, like, can we stop 9-11? And Nick is like, but the MCU! <laughs> I love it. This the is amazing. Multiverse. This is amazing. I love it. This is a great. Uh, okay, before we get to the time scale questions, um, I do want to get your opinion on um, the movies. Did you have a preference of which one you liked more? Um, I don't. I like. I liked. I liked both of them for different reasons. Okay. So the nineteen sixty one is it's very like low budget, kind of cheesy. It's very nineteen sixty sci-fi. Yeah. And the other one, weirdly enough, is very two thousand two sci-fi. Yeah. Um. So it does things where the, so like the pacing of the two thousand two is much faster than the nineteen sixty. It's very like. The whole thing with Emma, like the fiance, that's like ten minutes of the movie, and then it goes on to the next part. Okay. Um, and everything kind of happens very quickly until they get to the Eloy and the Morlocks, and then it really slows down and expands more on that than the 1960s version did. Okay. Um, <clears throat> however, I also liked how the 1960s version handled the concepts of the Eloy and um, well, Eloy more than the Morlocks, I guess. I, I, I don't know. It was just like for every positive I found in one, I also found a flip side positive for the other. Um, mm -hmm. so they kind of balanced out for me and what I liked and what I thought was kind of silly. Okay. Um, I, I do think the 1960s one is actually really good despite some of the silliness um it had some really clever ideas but both had really clever ideas and uh concepts for how time travel works and what you can do with it and how these characters behave and visually and how they're representing time travel visually um i don't know i just i think i really liked both for very similar and different reasons. I know that's a weird answer. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, I think I will always have a fondness for the 1960s version. It's the one that I grew up with. It's the one I've always known. It's the one that, you know, makes me think of my mom. 
and I just enjoy it. Yeah, it's it is a little. I agree with you. It is campy. Uh, they used the miniatures for cars, and where the hell did a volcano come from? I understand all that. I do get it. Um, but I am very fond of it. Uh, I do like Rod Taylor. Um, you know, he. You know, I'm not saying he was the greatest actor in the world, but he's good in this, and he's good in the birds. So, you know, he's not. He's not a bad guy. Uh, the 2002 version is not terrible. I didn't like hate it. I'm not one of those anti-remake people. You can remake stuff, and if it's good, cool. And if it's not, you tried. And you know, I I like the, the Jeremy Irons thing's a little weird. No, I admit that that whole that whole part with the Uber warlock that was that was dumb. That should have been cut. Yeah. Um, they could have just done without that. But um, otherwise, I I thought the 2002 one was fine. I I. I did not go out of my way to buy the 2002 version. I ended up having to... I don't, no, it was on Prime, I think. I think I didn't have to rent it. But um, but I don't own it. I do own the 1960s version on DVD. Uh, and I cherish it. But, yeah. Uh, so I prefer the original. But the remake's not bad. Okay. With that said, let's go ahead and get to the time scale questions. Rating things from 1 to 10 on the time scale. So how we're going to do it this time, since we're stuck in two different times here in the 1960s version and 2002 version, I'll ask the question and then just give the answer for both the 1960 and the 2002 version. So with that said, number one is, uh, do you think the time travel used in the movie can be possible in real life? Now, I know that's a weird question because that could be used for both, but answer how you will. I think... The, well, the way that time travel works in both movies is more or less the same. Yeah. The concepts of it are exactly the same, even though they might have been explored slightly differently in mm-hmm. each movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, honestly, this is one of the more likely ways of time travel. I think at least how time travel would potentially first be invented if it were ever invented it would be in some kind of machine like this um where you would just like sit down in it like a car and then you would have like uh you know your your gears and all that i think it would be very similar to this would be very stationary and you would see things moving around you without the ability to uh, kind of interact with it or them see you or, you know, whatever. You're kind of in a safe space. Yeah. Um, so I do. I think that it would be something like this and where, you know, you can't travel back in time and change things. Yeah. You can travel, for, though um, we didn't talk about this, huh. but you it says you can't travel back in time and change things, but he travel in the remake uh he travels forward uh further beyond the thing yeah and sees the morlocks <clears throat> and then comes back to change that from happening that's true so again he went to a future and then went back in time to try to stop the future event from happening which he wouldn't have known had happened had he not gone into the future to see it right so but then that one they allowed a change so it, there's kind of a, a bit of a plot hole there. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. But 
I, I do think overall, I would say nine. Like, I think that okay. it, if time travel was going to happen, it would be very similar to this. Yeah, I actually agree. Um, and yeah, they, they are both used in the same way. Um, they're stationary machines who don't, like, float or drive or whatever. They're, they're in one spot, and they're just traveling forward in time. They Both movies use this effect. Um, and I, I do agree. If you could make a time machine, I don't think you could move in it. Um, you would, it would have to be, you would travel in the same spot that you're in. Um, so I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I give it a nine. I, I think, I think this could be very possible, uh, this type of time machine. Um, and I didn't think about that either with the, in the remake where he went to the future and yeah, I didn't, that didn't even cross my mind until you said that. So good point. Uh, question two, um, I guess this could be used for both movies at once. Uh, was the time travel used responsibly in the movie? So you're free to either split it between the two movies or answer the same for both, however you want to do it. I think that, so in the 1960s, he just does it straight out of curiosity. He does not go really back in time he just goes forward he just wants right. to go to the future mm-hmm. um, and he just wants to more or less be a uh, just kind of see it and understand it and like an observer. what does it look like yeah observer um, and then he doesn't he doesn't really do anything to like mess stuff up I mean, he does go to the future and be like, I'm a time traveler in both movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and they're just, at both times, they're just like, uh, okay, guy. <laughs> yeah. Whatever well, you say. in the 60s, they didn't know what that meant. Like, the 60s yeah. version, they had, they're like, okay, sure. And in the 20, 2002 version, they're like, you know, he explains this and she has to translate it. And she's like... No, he's a guy who bumped his head, and he's an idiot, or something. He's like, yeah, he's like a wandering idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so, anyway, I think that in the original, uh, in the nineteen sixties, I I think it was more or less used responsibly. I'd say again, like a like a. Uh, Let's say eight on that. Okay. And in the 2002, he did go back in time. He only tried one time. I think that was a very responsible decision Uh of only trying one time before being smart enough to be like, you know what? I'm not going to keep doing this because it's not, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, Even though I guess it could have happened if he could change the future. And then he is just an idiot who gave up too early. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I don't think it was used as responsibly. So I'm going to say in the remake, maybe like, oh, I'll just go down one to seven. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah. In the first movie, he wants to just observe time. He just wants to observe the future. He's very curious about where humanity and society and everything is. So he goes forward, and and that's where, like in the in the last part of the movie when he's in the future, he gets very disappointed in everybody, and he gets upset, and he like chides them, and he yells at them, and he's like, 
like you know I can't believe you guys this is how this is how humanity ends up you know we're mil- we're thousands and thousands of years in the future things should have advanced by now but no we're you're all back to being basically he didn't say the word but he said you're basically idiots so I'm just gonna go back in my time and not even tell them about you guys you guys just suck and then he's and that's when he finds out his machine gets taken um so in that aspect you know he just wanted to observe he gets disappointed um uh there i'm gonna i'm gonna give that a nine as well i think he was he just wanted to use it for observation purposes in the 2002 version he only events the time machine because um his girlfriend dies and um so he events the time machine. He goes back. He only goes back once to try to stop it. And I, I get your point about he was probably smart enough to know if he kept trying it, it was going to be the same result. Um, so instead, he decides to go to the future to find out why this can't. And I think that's a little... I would have at least tried one more time. Yeah, I get that, though. And I would have been like, maybe grab her and just take her to your house. I mean, I know it was like 1890-something. That was probably uncouth uh, to, you know, oh, they're not married and they're in the same house. Oh, my, you know. But, you know, I I would have, like, guarded her in the lab until, like, the day was over. Treat it like the purge. Just lock the house down. Don't let anyone in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, he, he just went back just the one time. This time, instead of being shot, she gets run over by a horse and carriage or whatever. Yeah. And because yeah. it's, uh, it's really like, um, oh, I feel so bad for the woman who died who I've only known for a five minute scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, so really, if you want to if I want to put it down in the most basic terms, he built the time machine just to get laid. Um, <laughs> in the basic sense, you know, because in the first movie he was using it for science to go in the future, and then he just just so happened to find a chance to get laid, like that was just an accident. This one he's doing it on the exact purpose of, oh crap, my girlfriend's dead. I need to get laid, so I need to save her. <laughs> and then he goes, yeah. and then he ends up in the future where he ends up with the, with another woman, and it's like, okay, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> no, he goes to the and when he first gets there, you know, not Zoe Saldana, uh, <laughs> just she's like talking to him, and then uh, she's like, all right, uh, it's time to go, and he's like, all right, I'm coming with you. Yeah. And then they, like, she goes, and they put the little brother to bed. Yeah. she, like, goes, she's like, I'm gonna go to my bed, and he's like, I'm coming with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna give the 2002 version maybe a 7. <laughs> yeah. Um, Because I respect, I respect the game. He wants to get laid. I understand that, man. You know, you're a man after all. So... Uh, okay, next question. Um, okay. I know you wanted me to, like, reconstruct this sentence. I'm going to try to do this on the fly here. So, if someone who has never seen a time travel movie before, and maybe you want them to get into time travel movies, how about that? Would you show them either or both of these movies? Or would these be Um, good starting movies, I guess we can... I think they would be good starting movies. I think of any movie to start someone on the concept of time travel, it would be The Time Machine, because it kind of... 
spells things it, more, even more so the 1960s version i guess okay um it kind of depends it would depend on the sensibilities of the person whether they prefer something newer or they don't mind something that's like a clock like 1960 movie okay um like if they just are like i absolutely cannot watch movies from before 1988 <laughs> right, right you know right. like yeah. um then yeah i guess go with the 2002 um i would say um I would give the first movie a nine, like a nine out of ten on uh, recommending that for a first time time travel movie. And the remake, I would say like a seven. Okay. Um. All right. For the first movie, and this might just be my experiences because I was a kid when I seen this one. I was like mm-hmm. eight or nine or around that age. Um, this wasn't the first one I've seen, but it was pretty early on, and I think it did pretty well. Has a good introduction because it does explain everything down to a T. It explains, you know, like we said in the beginning of the show, you know, he explains the three dimensions very well. Uh, he explains how the fourth dimension works. He explains, you know, we can't move through space, but we can move through time. And, you know, he has the machine that just sits there. And we see, you know, as he's traveling forward, we see all the stuff happening around him. His house yeah. eventually gets, you know, dusty and full of spider webs. And then it, then there was a bomb attack. It and, introduces mm. the very basics without getting into like paradoxes and the more yes, complex stuff. exactly yes so for that aspect i'm going to give the 1960s a nine uh because i think this could be like a good starting time travel movie because it, it lays everything on the line and it it explains everything and then it gives you this fantastical look into the future um especially from a 1960s standpoint um and i think it does a wonderful job the 2002 version um, that's a little weird because at that point in society, a lot of us knew about the 1960s version, so all we could do was compare the two. But if you did not know anything about the 1960s version and you only knew the 2002 version, I would say that would probably be like a 7 because it doesn't get into the science of the time traveling like more so than it does 60s. get into a little of the paradox but yeah, yeah. not as much mm-hmm. as the science of it as the original um, it's just he events the machine yeah. and then he go he travels and that's it they, they don't explain I, a lot of the stuff i do want to also put out there uh before this episode i had only seen the 2002 version okay um i had not seen the 1960s version um so I knew the story, but I wasn't prepared for how different it was going to be. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so in that aspect, I'm giving 2002 a 7. Um, mm-hmm. I would start them with the 60s version first. Okay. Yeah. Um, We're the same there. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, uh, so which time machine design did you like better? Now, they both... I didn't really get into how they looked, how the machines look. So let me get to that, then I'll, then I'll get your answer. They were these stationary, like, things. Um, so the 60s version was kind of... It had, like, like brass around it. 
there was like this Victorian style seat and then there were these like dials in the front of it and then he had this little like lever that he could take in and out that was like the key to the machine and he would put it in and that would he would push it forward to go forward in time he'd push it back to go backward in time and then there were these like lit up um screens i guess i don't know how to put how to call it that showed the date that he was traveling to and then behind the chair was this big round like dial thing that spun when the machine was active and then there were like these wires and tubing and things i guess that's what powered it um and it was it was a very simple machine it's it wasn't very big um and it was just like enough for like a seat one person and then the dials was in front of him and then the you know gears and stuff are in the back the 2002 version took that idea and kind of expanded on it a little bit uh they added like little legs that like extended uh, when he landed uh they came in when he was traveling so he was kind of floating a little bit um anytime he traveled if he was around i call it the time bubble it was this like thing that encased him and um you know anytime anything left the bubble it went into the time period that he was going through and you can see it aging because he drops a picture the locket of emma and he sees the picture like you know crumple and go to dust like in a matter of seconds um so he's in this weird little time bubble um <laughs> it's a little bit bigger than the original um and there's these like round like round things that have numbers on it that spin when he's traveling um so that's what those kind of look like um so with that said nick which design did you how would you rate the design on each um I think the 1960s version makes more sense for somebody who was in 1899 to build. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, aesthetically, of course, I prefer the 2002 version. Like, it's, you know, it's shinier, and it's, you know, it looks cooler, and it looks, you know, it just, it's bigger and better, and it doesn't look like a little... Um, cheap kind of plastic you know it the 1961s was very much something that was built for a 1960 sci-fi movie mm-hmm. um, and so it, it's hard because I don't think that uh, no matter how smart you are in 1899 or I guess 1904 um, you're not going to be able to build a uh floating time machine with a force field and like all of these crazy moving parts to the degree that it was as you would have been able to build what was built in the 1960s version okay um so with that in kind of a mix of that i would give the design of the 1960s version a uh, let's say at like 7.5 and then uh, an 8 for uh, the 2002 design. Okay. Just because of the aesthetic look of it. 
Um, I think the 1960s movie version is kind of a classic look. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give that one probably... I'm going to go a little bit different than you. I'm going to go 8, maybe 8.5 on the on the original. And I'm going to give the 2002... I'm going to give the 2002 version a 6.5. And the reason I'm going that low, too, is because the the metal or brass used in that one is apparently dangerous because anytime anyone hits their head on it they get knocked out <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's kind of a dangerous thing like like in the in the in the the 60s version he he stopped the machine too hard and he just fell over and it just simply fell to his side he didn't get knocked out by the machine but in the 2002 version he, you know, he stumbles, hits his head on one of the railings, and he's out for literally centuries. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's kind of dangerous design, my man. Like, you might want to... He, he ripped Van Winkle. <laughs> he did. He really did. So, yeah, that's that's my, my ranking on that. Uh, okay, I know we kind of did our thoughts on the movie, but, like, we're going to just give a rating. What, what's our rating uh, of each movie, um, you know, 1 through 10? Right, yeah, I like both um, well enough. I both had their bads, both had their goods. I would say I would rank the nineteen sixty one. I know you're gonna do like way higher, um, but uh, I would say like an eight, and the and the two thousand two like a oh. Seven to seven point five, somewhere in there. Like the 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 Jeremy Iron stuff that gets a little <laughs> too far. Yeah. Um, it's a little too like okay, movie, calm down. No, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I I still think it had some very good aspects to it to completely write it off for its cheesy aspects. Uh, so yeah, let's say uh, say se- seven. Okay. Eight and seven. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give the 1960s, I'm tempted to give it a 10, honestly. Um, but I need to save room, so I'm going to say a 9.5. Um, and that's, you know, I'll admit it, that's just nostalgia talking. I grew up on this movie. I, I seen it so many times. It, like I said, it's one of my favorites. Um, so it is, it is a nostalgia talking, 100%. Like, in itself, as a movie, like, if I was rating it as a movie itself, it is a little campy. It's a little B-movie-ish because, you know, they use miniatures and everything was clearly a set. You know, they didn't really go very far in a lot of places. Um, but I that doesn't bother me, none of that. I do say, though, maybe don't watch this in high definition because a lot of it's going to get ruined. <laughs> if you can find, like, a VHS copy of it, go nuts. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine point five. I'll, I'll save room. There might be a perfect ten out there somewhere. So yeah. if you get a bad quality version and watch it on a small screen, you will love it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's how I watched it growing up, baby. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna give that one nine point five. I'm gonna give the remake. Uh, God, I mean, I didn't hate it. Um, I'm gonna give it a seven. I didn't hate it. The Jeremy Irons stuff, I agree with you, was ridiculous. Um, there's just there's a few things we we went over all of it, but yeah, I'm gonna give yeah. it a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. I'm gonna give the remake a seven. It's not terrible. Guy Pierce did an okay job, you know. He he wasn't terrible. Um, 
Samantha Mumba did a good job. You know, they. I say I thought she was really good. Yeah, they all did. They did all did well acting wise. It was all. It was all good. Um, but I would. I would hands down much rather watch the the sixties version. So there you go. Yeah, guy. Guy Pierce. Just final note here was yeah. like, he was like a couple notches away from his starting character in Iron Man three. Yeah. 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 You're right. <laughs> like before he becomes like the, the the more suave version. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I I actually had that thought too actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now that we're done, how do we get out of here? I could try to activate the time scale and see where it takes us or if we could even go home. Like it's letting me control it. Okay, can we go home? Oh, come on! Mason, you really need to get control of the time scale. I need to get back home. I'm trying, Job. I'm trying. Damn it, time scale work! Hang on. It's letting me choose two destinations. Is... One of them isn't home, I'm afraid. One is 2009, and it's even questionable if it's a time travel movie. And the other is the same 2006 film with the major star that I we had a few episodes ago. Well, Job, what do you think we should do? The first one. 2009 questionable time travel movie? Sure. Very well. Let's check that out. The Time Scale is co-hosted by Jason Soto and Nick Job, written, edited, and produced by Jason Soto, and can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Opening theme is In at the End of Time by Professor Elemental. Closing theme is One Man Wrecking Machine by Guster. This week's movie, The Time Machine, was based on a novella by H.G. Wells, and you can hear that story and more if you try out Audible. You try Audible free for 30 days if you go to audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepods. After 30 days, just pay $14.99 a month and get access to more audiobooks, original shows, or podcasts. You can cancel anytime, and if you do, you get to keep anything you've downloaded. So try it today. audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepods. Also, a huge thanks to our Patreon members. You out there listening can become one at patreon.com slash rabbitholepods. Right now, there is a $1 tier that you can back us at uh, that I will have up there until the end of the year. So if you want to support us and thought $3 was too much, you can get in at the dollar level. Uh, any other level, um, $3 and up, you get to listen to episodes way in advance. Uh, you can make choices in things that we do, join us for live streams, and so much more. Patreon.com slash rabbit hole pods. 
I'm Jason Soto. I'm Nick Job. And we'll see you in the next time. I built a time machine. I'm going to see the homecoming queen. Take her to the Christmas dance. Copyright 2023 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbithole podcast.com.